Who's ready for the word of the Lord today? Open up your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 29 today. Genesis chapter 29, we started, we started talking about enter last week, a new series, and we're going there again this week. We're, we'll be starting um, in Genesis chapter 29, verse 25 through 35, 25 through 35 today. Thank you. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 29, uh, verses 25 through 35. This is actually a narrative of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You were seeing their lineage kind of uh, coming to here. And if you know anything about the story, you know that this really should be a narrative of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But Jacob here, uh, his name meaning trickster, being the trickster that he was, uh, he tricked his brother into selling his birthright to him, and it changed literally the words in the Bible. And after tricking his brother, a few years later, we find him in love with this woman named Rachel. And whenever he fell in love with Rachel, uh, he went to her father, and he was asking for her hand in marriage. And he said, well, before I will give you my daughter, you must work in my fields for seven years, years, work in my fields for me on my land for seven years. She had a sister named Leah. And when it came time for the marriage, the seven years were up and he had done his time. The bride, it was a very, it was customary at this time that the bride would remain veiled until the marriage was actually consummated. And whenever he woke up the next morning to his new bride, he took off the veil. The veil was removed. And guess what? It wasn't Rachel. It was her sister named Leah. Now, let me tell you something. This right here is where days of our lives started, right here. This was so opera up in here. This was the original Bowen Hope. It was the original Marlena and John and Roman. You never know who you're going to marry on the days of our lives. This is Old Testament material, okay? This is where it all got started. I mean, here they are in the fields. I mean, it was like they were back in Salem. You know what I'm saying? I mean, here they are in the fields. He takes... The marriage has happened. They have consummated the marriage. We're not going there. He takes off the veil, and it is the sister, Leah. Jacob is mad, as he should be, at the father because the father, he goes to the father and said, why did you do this to me? I've worked seven years for Rachel. Why would you do this? And the father told him uh, the, that it was customary, as you will hear in just a moment, for the older sister, which Leah was, to be married first. And he was trying to honor the traditions. But the father said, if you will work for me another seven years, I will actually give you Rachel this time and you can have both of my daughters. Well, don't, doesn't that sound like a bargain right there? So he works seven more years, a total of 14 years in the fields for this one woman. When I get to heaven, one of the first things I want to see is Rachel because she must be a knockout, working 14 years in the fields for this one woman. When I get to heaven, somebody show me Rachel. 14 years in the field. So he worked seven more years and got Rachel. And this is kind of where we are picking up today. I kind of wanted to set it for you so you would understand. In verse chapter 29, verse 25 in Genesis, it says, So it came to pass in the morning 
that behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, why is this, what is this that you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? Hmm. And Laban said, it must not be it, it must not be done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me another seven years. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. So now he's got two women and a maid. It sounds like a then Jacob also went to Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years, verse 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, the Lord saw that Leah was not the loved one, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Hmm. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, the Lord has surely looked upon me. He has seen my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will surely love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has now heard me I am that I am unloved he has therefore given me this son also so she called his name Simeon she conceived yet again and bore a son and said now this time my husband will become attached to me he will know me because I have borne him three sons therefore his name shall be called Levi and she conceived yet again and bore a son and said now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing children. I started this off last week as we talked about how God takes the foolish things of the world to confound, to confuse the wise. Praise looks foolish here to the world. Entering into the presence of the Lord here on earth, people look at you and don't understand what you are doing. It confounds them. They think you are crazy. But in scripture, God is, gives great detail about how he wants us to worship him, how he wants us to enter into his presence. He says, praise, he says, praise me with the harp, praise me with the lyre or the strong instruments, praise me with the cymbal, even the loud sounding symbol. Praise me. He said, clap your hands with me. He said, shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. He gives very detail, uh, detailed sentences and ways he wants us to worship him. And it looks foolish to the world, but God has taken the foolish things of the world to confound the wise of the world. Last week, we also talked about having a culture of worship. And you really can't have have a culture of worship until you have an understanding of worship. There is power whenever you worship and you understand what you are doing right here on earth is creating something in the heavens. Amen. There is power in that. And now what does this verse that we are reading today, this crazy saga, what does this verse have to do with enter? 
What does this verse have to do with worship? Here we have Leah, and she is feeling that the love that she has for her husband is not being reciprocated. She feels that she is not that she has been putting herself out there, but she is getting nothing back in this relationship. Now she is feeling lonely because Rachel is in the picture. She is feeling like she has no value. She is coming to an understanding that there is someone else in the house that is receiving her portion of the love. There is someone else in the house that her husband loves more than her. And this is where we can identify with this story. We have, uh, hopefully, you have never been in this crazy soap opera story that I am telling you today. But this is where a lot of us can identify with this story. If you are reading it in a spiritual, with spiritual eyes, because when she is going through these emotions, she begins to birth things trying to fill the hole that she had on the inside of her. How many times have we created things to fill the hole on the inside of us? I mean, get this. In biblical times, the names of children had such great value. They did not Google the most popular baby names, no. But they, but they gave them names that, that really described why they were being born or what they were being born for. So many times their name was their story. It was controlling their destiny. Listen to the names that Reuben, uh, that, that Leah called her children. The, she called them Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. Listen to this. The first one, his name means See me. The second one means hear me. The third one means know me. In other words, she was birthing things. She was crying out. She was naming her sons what she desired from her husband. She was creating situations out of her needs. She is placing a burden of what she's not getting from her husband. She is putting that burden on her children by naming the children the deficit that is in her life. She, she names the first one, <clears throat> see me, see me, see me, see me, see me. Will anybody just see me? If I have this baby for him, the wife he loves is barren. Surely he will see me because she realizes that she is the invisible person in this house. Then she says, well, seeing me did not fix the problem. Let me give birth to hear me. <clears throat> hear me, hear me, hear me. If he did not see me, surely the second child, now he will hear me. And she starts realizing that her words are falling on deaf ears. She starts realizing that she has no voice in the house. There's no communication going to her or from her. Then she gets in the third son and she says, surely if he did not see me or hear me, this third child, surely he will know me. Know me, know me, know me. I just want to be known. There is something inside of me that wants to be known. Then she realizes that no one cares about her opinions. No one cares about her day. No one cares if she's even there. So she keeps on birthing things out of her deficit. Mm. We probably have all been there where we have birthed things out of the deficit 
of our being. We have birthed things whenever we, we, we wanted somebody to see us. We wanted love from something. The needs that I have on the inside of me, no one else can meet. She comes to that realization. She comes to a state of maturity where she realizes there is something on the inside of me that this man cannot find. There is something on the inside of me that man or woman cannot feel in the inside of me. If you've been alive long enough, you understand that there are places on the inside of you that no man or woman can feel. Can I get an amen? amen. And it doesn't matter what you do. <clears throat> it doesn't matter what your last name is. It does not matter how big your biceps are. It does not matter where you got your degree. Guess what? There is something on the inside of every person that only God can feel, that only his spirit can feel. There is something on the inside of them that only he can feel. So all of a sudden she takes a moment and she looks at her situation. She looks at the things that she has given birth to. She looks at see me. She looks at hear me. She looks at know me. And finally she comes and says, I'm gonna do this one more time, but this child has something different. And all of a sudden she gives birth to her last child, which is named Judah. Judah means praise. She finally gets to the place where she says, I'm going to stop trying to get everybody to see me. I'm going to stop trying to get to the place where I get people to hear me. I'm going to stop trying to get people to know me. I'm not going to worry about what anybody else thinks. I'm not going to worry about anybody's opinion of me. I'm just going to go back to the place and I'm going to birth a praise right where I'm at. I'm going to let a Judah out of me because whenever I enter in, whenever I start praising, whenever I let a Judah out of me, when I begin to praise, Praise the Lord. Everything that I wanted everyone else to give me, all of a sudden his presence comes and fills those same spots. When I let everybody else get out of the way and I start birthing a praise, I don't care if you see me, I don't care if you hear me, I don't care if you know me, I just gotta get to the Father and I birth a praise. All of a sudden everything that I wanted everybody else to give me, the Father God gives to me. Let me tell you this morning, if you've got empty places on the inside of you, there's nothing like the presence of God that can come and invade every space of your life. And whenever you don't know what else to do and you've tried everything to please everybody else in your life, you just got to enter into the presence of the Lord. Why? Because in his presence of the Lord, there is the fullness of joy. Jot this down. You don't have to turn there. Psalm 114 verse 2. The word says Judah became his sanctuary and Israel became his dominion. Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. Israel was designed for this time to be a nation that would be a light to the other nations all around the world. 
But inside of it, there will be one tribe. This is what he's saying here. There will be one tribe and that tribe is Judah and it will become like a sanctuary. Sanctuary means a place to dwell. In other words, God is going to dwell in Judah. In other words, breaking it down even more, God is going to dwell where the praisers are. And if, and if you ever want to find God, if you feel like you can't find God somewhere, let me help you out. If you ever want to find where God is, don't go to the fighting tribe. Don't go to the gossip tribe. Don't go to the opinionated tribe. No, go to Judah. Find you a bunch of praisers and you will find the Lord because he says he dwells in the praises of his people. Jot this down, Psalms 22 verse 3 says, but you are holy and you inhabit the praises of your people. The word inhabit means a place to dwell. So God inhabits praise. Let's break this down because you've heard, you've probably heard this a lot. God inhabits the praises of his people. Let's break this down so we can understand what this means today. If God inhabits your praise, inhabits, whenever you see the word inhabits, you can look down and you can see the word habitat. You can break it down. Habitat means house. God builds a house in the middle of your praise. If praise is the space that you build for God to live in, get this, if praise is the space you build for God to live, then you are in control of the size of God that you experience. People that experience little God, I can always draw a direct line because they give little praise. You control, this may rock your theology this morning, you control the size of God that you will encounter. He dwells there. God lives in the square footage of your praise. Can I get an amen this morning? God lives in the square footage of the space that you provide in your worship. He lives in that. He lives in that. So if I want the presence of God in my life, I have to build him some space. And whenever I start building space of worship, that means there are some people and some things that I've got to cut out of my life because you are taking up the space of my praise and my worship. He lives in the square footage of your praise. This may rock your theology too, but guess what? God dwells in your individual heart as a believer. But when we come together, God does not dwell in our walls. He does not dwell in the church. He doesn't dwell in brick and mortar. He does not dwell in the lights. He doesn't dwell in our sound system. He doesn't dwell here. He does not dwell in, in the brick and mortar. So what I'm saying is, we can come together on a Sunday morning and we can assemble and say, this is church. But if there's not praise going up, you can have church but not have his presence. That's what I'm saying to you today. 
That's why there's so many dead churches around this world. Because they put more stock in their building than they put in the presence of the Lord. And they, this morning they will say, well, I went to church, but did you experience the Lord? I don't know about you, but I don't want to meet with just you and not meet with the Lord on Sunday mornings. Can I get an amen? I like you. I enjoy your company, but I don't want to be a church with no power. Therefore, when we all start getting together, we must enter in and look a little foolish here on earth. Why? Because we are building a space for him to reside in. So somebody this morning, you need to tear down a wall in your life. You need to do a little Chip and Joanna. You need to do a renovation. And you need to add some square footage to your praise this morning. Well... Man, I hope we have a good service this morning, Jimmy. I hope that pastor preaches a word today. That last week was boring. I don't know. Man, I'll tell you what. I hope we have a good service today. That's what a lot of Pentecostals say. I hope we have a good service this morning. Do you realize that, you're, that you are just as much in charge of how the service goes as the people on this stage? That'll step on some toes. This, that, that'll preach this morning. You are in just as much in charge of how this service goes as the people on this stage are. Because it depends on how big you want to worship. Depends on how God want, big God wants to reveal himself to you today. God don't have bad services. Can I get an Amen. He doesn't have bad services. But when our praise is small, remember he dwells in the praises of his people. If our praise is small, we are giving him a little space to work in this morning. Wow. You are just as much in control of how this service goes as the people on this stage. They can sing. We can bring in talent from around the world. But if you ain't worshiping, nothing's moving. That's just the way it goes. And whenever I hear people, they go to church. Man, I don't understand how that's happening there. How are they seeing miracles? You walk in there and it feels like, it feels like electricity in that church. And you can go over here. I don't understand. What's happening there, Pastor? I say, give me about two seconds. Let me pull them up on Facebook. Let me tell you what it is. It's their worship. Man, help me out. I mentioned last week, entering, entering into his presence requires a sound. A sound must come out of me that creates space, that creates habitation, that creates a dwelling place, that creates a house for God. Sounds move the Lord. Sound moves the Lord. Last week we talked about before God created the earth, he created sound. The word said, and God said, he released sound. And whenever he released sound, what was once nothing, what was worth uh, once without a form and void and full of darkness, all of a sudden earth came out of nothing because of sound. Think about this. Everything that has a significant power has a significant sound. Everything. 
Think about the engine of a train. The power that it has. It has the ability to pull cart after cart after full packed down, full of heavy equipment. But before you ever see that train, you can hear it. There's a sound. Think about a tornado. If you have ever been in a house where a tornado come over you, you will never forget the sound and the magnitude of that powerful wind. That, that you, you will never forget that sound that has the ability to level entire cities. With that power comes a sound. Airliners full of cargo and people has a sound packed down with people and cargo they can still travel hundreds of miles per hour and it is accompanied with a sound because a lot of times you will hear the sound of a jet long before you ever see it there is a sound and with power comes a great sound anything on earth that has great power has a great sound why do you think the devil loves to make churches quiet? Because he knows with sound, there's a power. Football games are loud. You'll be loud tonight screaming at the Super Bowl. Hockey games are loud. Basketball games are loud. Celebrations are loud. Birthday parties are loud. The club is loud. And people don't mind loud until they get to the church. Why is that? The devil loves a quiet church. And whenever you get to church, all of a sudden you get all prim and proper. And all of a sudden you want quiet. You want quiet because you only like loud between Monday through Saturday. The church and the devil is rejoicing why because God moves in the power of sound so the enemy wants the church to be the quietest place you will be all week long Wow. why that's why they told blind Bartimaeus Shh, be quiet Jesus is here. Why? Because they knew if he ever caught a little bit of sound in his ears and he released that sound out of his mouth, there was about to be a miracle. They understood that. And while they were sitting there shushing him, look what Jesus did. Jesus walked right by the quiet people to the boy making the noise. He walked right by the quiet people and went to the man making the noise, screaming, Jesus, I can't see you. Oh, but I've heard it's you. Jesus, I can't see you, but I can hear your voice. Son of David, have mercy on me. And if you're willing to look a little foolish here on earth and make a sound as a church on a Sunday morning, the foolishness of your sound will bring a miracle down from heaven. Your life follows the sounds that you make. Yes. 
if you've got a low life where you're always low you're constantly in a low place I can listen to you and you're probably making some low sounds through the week you're reading low books watching low movies listening to low podcasts reading low articles on Facebook you're looking for low people to gather with you and let you know it's okay to be low anybody ever been there and the devil can't stand it when God's people releases a sound the devil knows your sound I don't know about you When I get up in the morning, I don't want the devil to hear twinkle, twinkle, little star. Oh look, Chase is up this morning. This is gonna be hard. When I get up in the morning, I don't wanna put the devil to sleep. Come on, somebody. When I get up, I want the devil to know I'm awake. I don't want to be walking around like a pretty little pretty princess on the battlefield with my Lord today. I wonder what the devil's going to put in front of me today. No, but whenever I get up and my feet hit the ground, and I go to my window and I refuse to be low today and I move back my curtains and I look the, up at the sun and I say this is the day that the Lord has made Chase Holsenbach's gonna get up and rejoice in it I want something that the devil knows I'm awake I want to release a sound that the devil knows Chase Holsenbach's up what in the world am I gonna do today Demons start trembling when Chase Holsenbach gets up. Demons start to tremble when Chase Holsenbach. Cancer cells start moving out of the way when I get up. I don't know about you, but I want to sound down from heaven. Lift up your voice today. Clap your hands with me today. Hey.
front of you was just waiting for you to make some noise. They marched around those walls seven times. And then finally, they let out a Judah and the walls had to come down. What if a revival would break out in your city if just one church would start making some noise? Just what if the devil would get out of your way if you'd start waking up and start saying, oh, this is the day. No, but you would say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I want a beat to drop right about now. I want to wake the devil up this morning. Whenever I get up, devil, you better know it. What if a move, an outpouring on the Holy Ghost was waiting on one church in Rome, Georgia to open up your eyes and open up your mouth and you did not care about who sees me, who hears me, or who knows me. Lord, today, I just want to enter in today. We're going to sing this out again. Come on. I want you to feel that beat this morning. she could do oh see me husband hear me husband know me husband until finally the word said that she bore a son she bore a praise she bore Judah and the word says after that worship after she released the praise the word said she needed to bear no more she sealed it with a praise she sealed it with a praise she sealed it with a sound. She sealed it with a praise. We're gonna sing this through a couple more times. And today, I want you, whether you may be watching from home or wherever, I want you to seal this word with a praise today. Can I? Is anybody on the same page with me? Nod your head, say amen if you are. So I want us to lift up our hands. Drums, I wanna hear you, drums. Come on, drums.
together this morning. I just want to break it off of you this morning. You need to stop trying to please a man. Isn't it crazy that people think having a baby is going to bring a man and woman together? Somebody should laugh at that. Because there ain't nothing like a crying baby having blowouts in the middle of the night. To bring a couple together. You've tried everything to please everybody in your life. You need to start pleasing the Lord. I want to break that off of you right now. There are people in this room. There are things you are doing right now. Your father abandoned you 20 years ago. And you're still trying to make up for what he did, what that hole he left in your life. I want to break that off of you right about now. There are things a man did in your life. He walked out of your life with those kids. Left you there to raise them kids by yourself. And you are still today trying to do something in your life that only God can do for you. I just want to break it off of you today. And I want to tell you if you want it broken off of you, you got to enter into the presence of the Lord. Because in His presence, there is the fullness of joy. He lives in the square footage of our praise. If you want to experience God in a big way, give Him a big old praise. But if you just want a little bit, go ahead and put your God in a box and stay where you are at today. Lord, I pray for every person that's here today. Lord, I pray that as they leave this place, Lord, you bind us together with strong cords of love that cannot be broken. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you move in our hearts this week. Lord, we're not about man's business. We're about the Father's business this week. Lord, we're not looking for the appreciation or the hand clap or the pat on the back from a boss, from a co-worker, from somebody in our life. God, we just want to connect with you this week. Lord, we want you to see us, you to hear us, you to know us this week, Lord. And by doing that, God, we're going to pray and fast this week, and we're just going to enter into your presence. Somebody this week is going to be Aaliyah. You're going to give birth to a new Judah in this place. I feel it. It's on your lips right about now. Break off the chains of us trying to please people. I don't care if we look like fools as long as we're in your will and we're entering in oh God I thank you today can we give God one more hand clap of praise in this place today